John Coyne came up to me, he says, David, he said, you're preaching on this Sunday, this evening. I said, yeah, thank you. For fine, I'll help you out. Um, and then no theme came and no reading came. And then John said, you're doing why? And I still didn't know what it was about. So I said, dear John, a wonderful rector, vicar, whatnot, you've been to college, you understand these things. What do you mean, why? Well, David said, this is a free-for-all. Oh, this is very good. And I said, there are questions which people have which strike them from time to time. Would you like to just address a question which uh, troubles you and you'd like to look at it and see a bit more about what's it all about? I said, anything. And John said, anything. Well, I had to resist the temptation because there were one or two that I couldn't mention in public about, you know, how old is Rob really? But stuff like that we can't do. So I actually thought, there is a question which puzzles me, and, and it's this. Why do people find it so hard to talk about Jesus? I don't know whether you've noticed this. Have you ever been sort of, you know, you've been limping along and you look a bit under the weather, and somebody comes up to you and says, how are you? Have you had that happen to you? Yeah, twice. Okay. And, they say, and you say, oh, I'm really awful. And they say, are you really Yes, I am. And you have 20 minutes telling them just how awful it all is. And they say, well, thank you. I'll be thinking of you. Have you heard that? Yes. And I think to myself, I don't want you to think of me. Why do they say that? What are they really saying? But they haven't got the courage to really say. Right. Yeah, that's right. They're really saying, I will be praying for you. But they're too embarrassed even to say that. So they say, I'll be thinking of you. I mean, do you want to be thought of? Put your hand up if you do. Not a single hand went up. Uh, I've been told that I must speak up. So those who, who have... There are real questions coming in a minute. <laughs> so I thought to myself, why is it that we don't think about Jesus, uh, talk about Jesus? And what I... As I've thought about it, two, two reasons why for me it's important came to mind. And the first is this, that we as Christians don't understand enough about the love of Jesus, because we, we don't think enough about him. In other words, we shortchange ourselves. There's much more that we can enter into if we just knew a bit more. And second, for those outside, those who are not yet Christians, those who are mates at school or at work, um, if we don't talk about Jesus, and we talk about sort of things like, I went to the country, that wasn't bad, that was it really? Um, we shortchange them as well. They can't see what it is that's so special. So what I'd like to do is just to look at that one question and um, see if we can make some kind of sense of it. So let's begin. It begins like this. There are six sections. Now, uh, apologies if you're sitting at the back. I will read these out for you because uh, my font is smaller than your font. Question, the first section, do you find it hard? I'm going to ask you that in a minute. If you do, why do you find it hard to talk about Jesus? Do you sometimes talk about God more than Jesus? And do, do you know that there are some unintended consequences if you make that choice? And we'll look at that. Okay, so if you, if you find it hard and you can't do it easily, why is it so important to do it? Well, oh. <laughs> it's because we need three colours in our life. Oh, <laughs> gold in our lives. Why is it so important? And I'd like to offer you some th thoughts there. And then I'd like to finish with some little exercises. Uh, we can little, have a little go. So if we begin at the beginning, uh, if we move on to the next slide. Oh, welcome back. Hello. Do you find it hard to talk about Jesus? This came into focus for me when I was interviewing um, some people who came from Malawi. I used to work for the Diocese of Birmingham. I was the mission advisor and the director of a mission. It was also a very posh title. And it meant I could roam around the diocese talking about Jesus' mission, which was not bad, really, and get paid for it. It was, it was great, really. Um, and we invited over some young people from Malawi. Now, young in Africa starts at about sort of 12 and finishes at 40. So you're a young person if you're between 12 and 40. Isn't that, wouldn't you like to live in Africa, some of you? 
And so this group came over, and at the end of the three weeks, they'd been staying in different homes. Um, we all had a big send-off in the cathedral, and my job was to interview them, so which was great. So I, so I asked them to come up. A couple of them came up, and they said, what? I said, how's it been? You know, living in England with the English Christians and all that stuff. Well, what's, in, what's impressed you? Well, they said, your churches, they're much better than ours. Because a lot of their churches are just built with mud walls and sort of straw roofs. Look at this. Great big building. And, it's, and if you do it in the cathedral in Birmingham, as we did, they're just huge. Much better. Wonderful. And they're so much older than ours. And they thought that was wonderful too. And I said, yes. And then they whispered amongst themselves. And then they all looked. And that's it. And I said, now hang on. Have you got any more you want to share with us? Well, I said, go on then. You're amongst family. And they said, some of you, I've told this before, we have two questions for you. Really, I said, question number one. Why are all you English Christians so miserable? <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. These were African Christians who'd been in the country for three weeks. They'd stayed in fam- Christian families' homes. They'd actually... Um, They'd been to services, they'd been here and there, they visited the diocese, they'd been to whatnot. And that was the impression we gave. And I thought, ooh. And I said, go on then, what's the second one? And I have to say, when they said that, you could see around the, the, the congregation, the cathedral, the people going, yeah, that's us. <laughs> and the second question was then, and why don't you talk about Jesus more? And about this stage, other people started going, mm, pardon, 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 you know, English people, you know, what, what, what? <laughs> they said, we've stayed in your homes. You made us welcome. You said, would you like a hot water bottle? Because it's colder here than in Africa. And you've put blankets on the bed so we sleep well. But you've not prayed with us. And when we have a visitor, we say, Lord, let's just pray together and say, Lord Jesus, it's thank you to have, it's lovely to have friends from another part of the world. I and mean, when you sit down at food, you say, you, we've done this specially. We've even looked it up. This is what they eat in Africa. And they say, try it. And they say, yes, thank you very much. But, but you don't pray grace. Well, you know, it's, it's all a bit sort of funny, really. And that made me think, it's true, you know. We have been socialised. We have been socialised into being anonymous Christians. Would you not agree? Do you know that? Anonymous. It means they don't know you're a Christian. They just know that you're you. And you may actually be inside be a Christian. But actually, if we look at you, they think, well, you may tell feeble jokes. And all think they're very funny. Or you may have better language. Or you may be kinder. There are lots of things they'll see. But actually, they won't say, you know, there's something different. There's, something's changed in that person. And Jesus wants to change us. He wants us to be closer to him, more like him, different from the world, and standing out so others will say, hey, I'd like a bit of that too. And that was why, that's, that's my feeling tonight, that by thinking about how much we talk about Jesus, we're really saying, are we being squeezed into the world's mould? That reading we just had, thank you. I forget, was it Jamie read it? That I, that, I don't know who Jamie is. I only know it's Rob because he told me this morning. Okay, thank you, Jamie. Um, oh. I stand corrected, James. Yes. My name is Nathaniel. No, it's not. <laughs> so here we have this. Paul was writing that letter to the Romans. He said, God loves you so much. He went on and on about it. It was just magnificent. He then says, therefore, because of the mercies of God, I beseech you, present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. Why? Because it's your response to this tidal wave of love. God is not looking for workers, you know. He's looking for friends. If you want to be a worker, go and do something else. Jesus says, you are my friends. And that's, that friendship, that love is coming and coming. And so when that love comes to us, we are changed. But Paul reckoned that a lot of those early Christians, they were not changed enough. And so he said, you really, really need to understand that we're not to be like the world. He said, you're you're to be like changed 
the actual word in the Greek is metamorphosis. Do you know they have that idea of change, yeah? You know the idea of the caterpillar and the butterfly? That's metamorphosis, isn't it? Well, it was when I did biology. Is it still? It is. Good. That's helpful. Um, uh, did, did you see that sort of picture about two caterpillars having a conversation? Yeah, they were, they were having this, sort of, you know, as caterpillars do. And this um, butterfly went overhead. And then one said to the other, you'll never get up me up in one of those things. Think about it. The change between a caterpillar and a butterfly is amazing. And that's what Jesus wants to do for us. So maybe it is something to do with that naming him that'll help. Well, there we are. That's the kind of introduction. Um, I, the, the Bishop of Birmingham at the time that I worked there was a man called John Sentamu, or Sentamu as he's now known. And he's a, um, you may know of him, he's now moved north to be a missionary up in, in, in Yorkshire. Well, in the northern province as the Archbishop. And he's, he's, a, he's a great ball of fire, a, 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 a person who loves God enormously and will, will do almost anything for God. And I remember we were, do, we were, do, we were shooting a film, a video about um, evangelism and how people to share their faith. And I was filming him in the middle of um, Birmingham. And he, he came out of St. Martin's in the Bullring, if you know that. And there's a long walk. And he walks all the way up toward us and then up the steps. And we had this long shot, this tracking shot. And he had a radio mic on. And he was talking to the camera, but from miles away. You've seen it done on TV, haven't you? So he comes closer and closer and closer like this. And this is what he was saying. I don't understand the English. I don't understand the English. They talk more about the weather than they do about Jesus. Do you think that's true? Now, he made he Christians. He didn't mean just you know, people generally. Do you think that's true? Do you talk about the weather? Not much. No, neither do I. But some do, obviously. Yeah? But what he was saying was we'll talk about anything but Jesus. Well then, here's the little exercise. We've got... One minute. How many times have you mentioned Jesus in the last 24 hours? Okay, just quietly think there and count. And then we'll have a little survey. One minute. Okay. Right, can we have some? Oh, sounds are coming back. Thank you. That's a, that was a minute. Okay, how many have mentioned Jesus five times or less? Okay, right, thank you. Just look around. I mean, this, this is God, just eyeball them, that's it, yes, right. How many people have, have mentioned Jesus between five and ten times? Oh, yeah, great. How many people have mentioned Jesus more than ten times in 24 hours? No. Right. Even the youth worker, Kate, didn't put a hand on. Did you, sorry, I take that back. It does, yes. <laughs> does it count when you sing a song? I suppose it does. It depends who's listening to your song too, doesn't it? Yes, but thank you, yes. Okay, well, let's move on then. Why is it hard this is your chance to have your say. Five reasons that you think explain why we find it hard to talk about Jesus. Number one, anybody like to offer? And I'll repeat it for the tape. It's not a tape, is it? For the SD card. Go on. Fear of people rejecting you. Yes? Okay, number one, thank you. Number two? You don't want to appear like what they think Christians are. Yes, thank you. So you pretend to be not one. Is that right? No, no, sorry. No, I'm just following it through. Number three, question, oh, sorry, the third reason. I find that I live in quite Christian circles. So actually, naturally, it's going to be non-Christians that come across more in you know, supermarkets and things like that rather than actual... Yeah. And then you kind of, out of habit, naturally, you don't really tend to do that, if that makes sense. Do you mean we don't have the habit of... I mean, am I understanding you right? If we naturally talked about Jesus amongst our Christian friends, it, it would rub off in the, in the supermarket without being embarrassing and crud-worthy. And all that. No, you weren't saying that, were you? <laughs> no, How can I tell? No, I was saying, when, when you're in Christian circles, 
circles, naturally it comes up. But yes. Like, I don't tend to... Mix with too many Christians. Yeah. So it's like the only other places that I have that I could talk about Jesus are probably random people that you come across. Yes. And actually, it's habit and more natural that you don't. Yes, the habit you do. Because it's just like, oh, I'm buying some milk and you get on with it and you get out, don't you, rather than those kind of Yes, yeah. You get into the habit of not doing it yeah. when you're not with your Christian friends. Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's four, I think. <laughs> yes. We've been doing a thing called Frontline here. Uh, so who are the people on your front line, your work colleagues, your neighbours, whatever else? And, um, and so for me, uh, when I'm anxious to talk to people on my front line, I want them to, I want to wait before I talk about Jesus. So I'll be talking about Christian values, I might be talking about church, um, but I will wait yeah. Yes. Thank you. Another version of that. I sorry. Yes. Go on. That's it. Yes. 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 This uh, lovely lady said, I have spent years building a bridge of friendship with my neighbor so I can talk to her about Jesus. And the question was, how long was that? Over 10 years. I said, well, have you got to the point of bringing it up? I daren't do that because I might wreck the bridge which would allow me to talk about... (laughs) Okay, here are a few which I thought of. Uh, prepared early, as it were. I'll just whistle through them quickly. General conversation. Uh, it was Alistair Campbell, wasn't it? When Tony Blair was being introduced, and some, because Tony Blair's a Christian, somebody wanted to say, do you pray about these things? And Alistair Campbell chimed in fast as anything to say, we don't do God. Remember? In the public arena. All right. Uh, the second one, fear of what people think. Yes, we, we shared that. Third one, love of a quiet life. Who knows where a conversation will... Don't you find that? Somewhere? If you start a conversation, you could be there 20 minutes still. And your mum's at home saying, I sent him shopping. And where is he? <laughs> I was sharing... No, with him. Okay. Practically, four... And I think this is actually, for me, is quite a telling one. Practically, Jesus really doesn't seem to make much difference in my own life. There are, I find there are Christians around who... It was lovely. I was on one of those alpha prayer evenings, uh, where, which Rob was talking about, uh, because they, they were short of prayers, so I got towed in, which was lovely, no problem, send the bill later. Um, and, and what we did, Janet and I sat there, and the people came to be prayed for, because they wanted to know more of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. It was lovely. And this woman came in, she sat down, and she said, I am tired of being a fake Christian. I want it for real. Will you pray for me? And it was just... God was already working in her life. All we had to do was try and keep up with what the Holy Spirit was doing. It wasn't us doing it at all. The work was already going on. And I think for some of us, we sometimes feel we're a bit fake in our Christian faith. And I think it may be for a number of reasons. For me, having been a, a minister for a while, although I was at a party where somebody came up and said, David, somebody over the other side of the room says, you're a vicar. And I said, do I look like a vicar? She said, no. <laughs> I said, there you are. I think, as a minister, that disappointment with God is one of the reasons why people are hesitant. Because if pressed, somebody will turn around and say, well, what has God done for you? And you have to say, well, 29 years ago, he helped me find my car keys when I lost them. I mean, Yes. So, and lastly, this is the great one, isn't it? Why do we pay John Coyne, I ask you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a few... I think we've got something to answer when we next see him. Isn't it his job to do this? Isn't it? He's been to college, hasn't he? Yeah. He's got all the time in the world, hasn't he? Yeah. 
Just nod and say, yeah. So these are some of the reasons why. Well, let's go on a little bit more. Um, Some people suggest it's easier to talk about God than Jesus, and I think it probably is. Uh, And I'd like to suggest to you that actually the word God is easier to talk about, and you need to be very careful in what you're doing. Now, if I can just have a little diversion. Is anybody here interested in cars? Oh, right, only a few. Oh, dear. Well, can the rest of you bear with us? Because I like cars a lot. And when I was a missionary in Africa, you know missionaries are quite poor because you don't have very much money. Yeah? Uh, and we support them and whatnot. And I, and I saved a little bit of money and I came home to join the, the college in Birmingham where they train missionaries. So I said, Lord, I just love a Golf GTI. Now, you understand, it wasn't because I needed a Golf GTI. And it wasn't because I drove at 120 miles, which it does do, down the motorway either. It was because it's a beautiful piece of engineering. Every part of it balances and complements and works together. It's like a sweet sound when that Golf GTI... So, so I said, and I came home, and I just had, I had saved up the total of £5,000. And that was my, my worldly wealth. And I felt it as I prayed, the Lord said, yes, David, have a golf GTI. Now, I think that's a bit silly, really, but I felt it, so I did it, and I got one. And, and it was lovely, and it's, it, parked, it was parked on this missionary training college, and somebody said, you're the only missionary tutor I know who drives a golf GTI. And the, for those of you who don't know what a golf GTI is, it's a, it's a golf, which is a beautiful car, engineering, it's just quick, firm, grips the road well, when you accelerate, it sits there and goes where you point it. It doesn't slide off on corners, but that's enough of the goal too. And actually, it was such a lovely goal for you. I used to polish it, do you know? And it was gleaming red. And at three o'clock one morning, there was just a slight disturbance outside it, just before we were getting married, wasn't it? And I opened the door one morning, and there was the golf GTI gone. Gone. It was. So he rang up the police and they came and said, oh. And you know, six months later, they found the thieves and they recovered the car and they worked at a VW garage and there was some kind of master key that they, could, they nicked. And they came at three o'clock in the morning and drove it away. As if, and they didn't have to break in or anything. This master key did all the stuff. Well, a Golf GTI is a car a car is a generic word, yes? Yes. So, have you got a car? Has anybody here got a car? Yes. Well, some of you have. Okay, big deal. That doesn't tell me a bean about what you think about cars, does it? it, should, it may, you may just have it to go shopping. You know, Volkswagen Polo, it's a shopping trolley. That's all that is, really. <laughs> I mean. So, what I'm trying to say is this. Okay, put the cars on one side. The word God is a generic word. The word God doesn't tell you a bean. Do you know that? It doesn't. God says, God is a God, is a God. So what does that tell you? You need more than just the word God if you could put substance and meaning into it. We, because we move in Christian circles, have invested a lot of what we've learned about Jesus, from Jesus and we put it into the word God. So we can use the word God and talk to each other and we're talking about the God who we meet in Jesus. But if you go outside... I talk to somebody in the street about, do you, and they say, I believe in God, and we all think that's wonderful. But you need to ask them, what God do you believe in? Do you know there was a comedian called Dave Allens? Uh, some of the, uh, that generation will remember him. And he used to finish his routine by saying, what did he say? May your God go with you. And he said his Irish accent, may your God go with you. Your God. You see, every one of us has a different God. We do, really. That which we claim to be God. And so the trouble with being, using the word God is, I think we shortchange ourselves. Look at it like this. I've met many people who've been converted to Christ. I haven't met one who's been converted to God. I've met many people who believe in God and it makes very little difference to their life. I've met many people who are followers of Jesus, and it makes a lot of difference in their lives. So when we use the word God, let's think about this in terms of communication. It's a happy way of starting a conversation, but at the end of the day, it's not God we're talking about. The job of the church is not to make believers in God. 
It's actually to help people become disciples, friends of Jesus, isn't it? So we need to use the word Jesus more, the name Jesus more. And then we'll see more about him. I think it's, it, they've done different surveys. If you look at the churches that are growing, it is churches which are commending faith in Jesus Christ. They're not churches which say, believe in God and come along on Sunday and have a service and have some coffee. Jesus is that which transforms us. So there's a health warning. We understand it because we invest all of that. And actually, the word... I mean, does this, does this make sense to you? This idea that God could be anything you like, almost. And therefore, you need to be careful. So I'm, I'm not a God-botherer or a God-follower. I'm, I'm a friend of Jesus. If somebody asks you, you're a Christian. I say, I, I follow Jesus. He's my Lord, and he does it. When, um, when we went to... Bradford, because we, we worked in the Midlands, and we, we were called up to Bradford. And you know, Bradford's in Yorkshire, and Bradford's a very run-down part of, of, of Yorkshire too. I mean, seriously run-down. And we worked and lived in, a, in an inner-city parish, and, and Janet w- worked in a very tough inner-city small church. Where it, just, it was just, well, there's a whole story there. So we were right there. So when we said to people in, in Birmingham, well, we're going to Bradford, there was this long pause. And they said... Uh, the Dales are very nice, aren't they? I mean, come on. And then so they said, well, and when we got to Bradford, they said, why have you come from Birmingham, Birmingham, to Bradford? And the answer was, because Jesus asked me to. And I felt I could say that just ordinary like that. It wasn't high tech. And that led on to some conversations. And that seems to me is what we, we can discover ourselves. God is a religious word. Jesus is a person who, who's alive today and changes lives. Can I, should we have a little commercial break? Is that all right? Coffee, croissant, you can go to the loo and we'll watch a video. This guy, um, he's, a, a, he's a Christian poet, evangelist. Jefferson Bethtake, I think his name. I don't know if it's quite how he says it. And, he, and he has the, he's written this poem called Why I Hate Religion But Love Jesus. Have you, some of you come across it? No? Well, let me tell you. He launched it on, a, on YouTube on the 10th of January, 2012. In the first 10 days, it got 3 million hits. And when I checked on YouTube tonight... It was 32.4 million hits. And Janet says, I'm not to tell you that three of those are hers, because she found it before I did. <laughs> so I'd like you to watch this. He's trying to suggest that it's Jesus is the heart of it, not religion and God language. So, if you, are you sitting comfortably? What if I told you Jesus came to abolish religion? What if I told you voting Republican really wasn't his mission? What if I told you Republican doesn't automatically mean Christian and just because you call some people blind doesn't automatically give you vision? I mean, if religion is so great, why has it started so many wars? Why does it build huge churches but fails to feed the poor? Tell single moms God doesn't love them if they've ever had a divorce, but in the Old Testament, God actually calls religious people whores. Religion might preach grace, But another thing they practice, tend to ridicule God's people, they did it to John the Baptist. They can't fix their problems and so they just mask it, not realizing religion's like spraying perfume on a casket. See, the problem with religion is it never gets to the core. It's just behavior modification like a long list of chores. Like, let's dress up the outside, make it look nice and neat. But it's funny, that's what they used to do to mummies while the corpse rots underneath. Now I ain't judging, I'm just saying, quit putting on a fake look. Because there's a problem if people only know that you're a Christian by your Facebook. I mean, in every other aspect of life, you know that logic's unworthy. It's like saying you play for the Lakers just because you bought a jersey. See, this was me too, but no one seemed to be on to me. Acting like a church kid while addicted to pornography. See, on Sunday I'd go to church, but Saturday getting faded acting if I was simply created to just have sex and get wasted. 
See, I spent my whole life building this facade of neatness. But now that I know Jesus, I boast in my weakness. Because if grace is water, then the church should be an ocean. It's not a museum for good people. It's a hospital for the broken. Which means I don't have to hide my failure. I don't have to hide my sin. Because it doesn't depend on me. It depends on Him. See, because when I was God's enemy, and certainly not a fan, He looked down and said, I want that man. Which is why Jesus hated religion and for it he called them fools. Don't you see so much better than just following some rules? Now let me clarify. I love the church, I love the Bible, and yes, I believe in sin. But if Jesus came to your church, would they actually let him in? See, remember he was called a glutton and a drunkard by religious men. But the Son of God never supports self-righteousness, not now, not then. Now back to the point, one thing is vital to mention. How Jesus and religion are on opposite spectrums. See, one's the work of God, but one's a man-made invention. See, one is the cure, but the other's the infection. See, because religion says do. Jesus says done. Religion says slave. Jesus says son. Religion puts you in bondage, while Jesus sets you free. Religion makes you blind, but Jesus makes you see. And that's why religion and Jesus are two different clans. Religion is man searching for God. Christianity is God searching for man. Which is why salvation is freely mine and forgiveness is my own. Not based on my merits, but Jesus' obedience alone. Because he took the crown of thorns and the blood dripped down his face. He took what we all deserve. I guess that's why you call it grace. And while being murdered, he yelled, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Because when he was dangling on that cross, he was thinking of you. And he absorbed all your sin and he buried it in the tomb, which is why I'm kneeling at the cross saying, come on, there's room. So for religion, no, I hate it. In fact, I literally resent it. Because when Jesus said, it is finished, I believe he meant it. Thank you. Comments? How did I strike you? I've, I've heard it several times, and I think it's just great. Actually, the more you hear it, the more you can work out what the American accent's about. Well, now, so we've looked there a bit at that. Let's now turn and say, well, why is it important to talk about Jesus? We've said why it's hard, and we've, we've said how talking about God instead of talking about Jesus may be easier, but it's a cul-de-sac. So why is it really important? Well, now, here's a little Bible quiz for those of you who are seriously into Bible. Um, what was the way each of these talked about the job of mission and evangelism uh, where what is the thrust in Matthew's gospel where does the end of Matthew gospel lead us what, where is it pointing well if you look Jesus was there with the disciples he sends them out to make other disciples doesn't he disciples of Jesus so Matthew says disciples of Jesus what about Luke Luke finishes with them worshipping Jerusalem waiting to go out and then in Luke Acts they go out and they preach and, and do you remember what they preached? Do you remember? In Pentecost, that first Pentecost, they preached about how in Jesus there's new life. Then there's John. John says in John's Gospel, do you know, the, we, we've written so much about that, but there's so, so much more we could read about Jesus. But all these things that are written are here simply because we'd love you to know about the life in Jesus. Paul says... I know Christ and him crucified. I preach Christ and him crucified. Hebrews says, but there's been all these religious traditions and now God has come to us in his son in Jesus. If you put all these together like spotlights on a the stage, they're all saying, Jesus is the centre. He's the gospel. He's the good news. And he is a person. It's not ideas. It's a relationship. So that's the first reason why. Because I think... Most of us, actually, we just need to be re-related to God. And that's the God we know in Jesus. The second reason I think it's important uh, is the Jesus... Sorry, the second thing I would say is that we need to be sure that our picture of Jesus is, is okay. So that means reading the New Testament. And I think for some of us, we probably don't read the New Testament enough. Read the stories of of the Gospels and the picture of Jesus there. 
So we do see the Jesus who's here tonight and right by us. And we can't quite see him clearly or slightly bent way. The next thing, though, is even, I think, more significant. When I was in, um, I started going to church as a new Christian. Uh, Two things happened. In those days, we had the open-air services. Do you do them here? We used to, we, the, the vicar would get a group of us and we would go to some group of, some housing area and we'd find a crossroads and he'd set up with his little um, portable amplifier and we'd all sing hymns, sometimes with a guitar or not, and then he would interview people about the difference Jesus made in their lives. So I came back, I became a Christian as a, as a university student. I came back and, and he said, David, come out with us. I had the faintest idea where I was going to. So we got out there, and we put it all up, and we sang, and you saw one or two lace curtains flutter, you know, what's going on out there. And then he says, right, and now somebody who's a very, very new Christian is going to tell us what it's like. And I'm thinking, yeah, well, I look forward to him now. David, he said. I said, what? And so we started, I started to talk a little bit about the difference Jesus makes. And Inside there was the, the awareness that when Jesus made a difference in my life, there was, it was a real difference. My parents noticed it and fed that back to me. I, I didn't see it quite clearly. Sometimes it's like that. Um, Jesus brings the power to change. That's what I want. That's the important thing. God is just, God is big and high and lifted up and all that. But Jesus comes to us and says, I can help you change. In Acts, there's the story about Peter and John going up to the temple to pray. And they met a lame man lying by the side of the road, begging for alms, for money. And as I say, as a new Christian, I went up there to, to go uh, out on open airs. And I also started playing the piano in, in Sunday school. They were really, really stuck, I have to say. There was no pianist. That's why I had a chance. Uh, and we used to sing this song about silver and gold have I none. Does anybody else? Oh, good. That's five of us. Well, afterwards, over coffee, we can uh, re- we'll regale it you, five-part setting. It was only a song describing what happened when Peter and John met this lame man. What happened? Do you, do you, do you, does this ring a bell? Yeah? I, was, I look at the young people because they're still awake. <laughs> Sorry. Some are still awake. Did <laughs> <laughs> I say? Walking and leaping. Yes, we get to the walking and leaping. Yes, great. Thank you, Rachel. But before we get to the, the leap and the praise and the walking, let me just go back a bit. So Peter and John are walking, they go up to the temple to pray, as is their custom, right? Here's the beggar, crippled beggar, on the side of the road saying, give me something to eat, or money to, to get something to eat. And what, did, what, did, what does Peter say? I haven't got any money. But what I have got, I'll give you. And then, what does he say? In the name... Pardon? That's right. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And then, because I don't think, if you look at the text, the the man wasn't at all clear what this meant. So Peter gets him by the hand and says, hop, lad, as they do in Yorkshire, hop, lad. And he gets up, pulled to his feet, and discovers he can actually walk. And he starts to dance. And as Peter and John go on to the temple, he's coming after and saying, Praise God, look at this. And he, and he, he said, okay, shh, shh. Then they went into the temple. And he, I can't do this. This man comes up. Stand up just a second. You read so well. This man comes up in the temple. As they're going to the nice, holy, reverend, but he puts his arm in Peter. So Peter couldn't now get rid of him. And he would say, praise God. And Peter goes, shush. Do you know where you are? Yes, and so on. Thank you, you've done your bit. <laughs> Jesus has the power to change. If you name Jesus, things will happen. But if you talk about God, they may not. In fact, they probably won't. As we know Jesus, as we get to know him, we discover he changes lives. He changes us if life is terrible. We see it in a new light. And I have to say, maybe you find that, those who have been Christian a while, 
I am just grateful that Jesus was kind enough to include me in this ramshackle called the church Christian community. Because I don't think I really, you know, am that good. Jesus will come to you wherever you are, whatever is on your mind now, and say, listen, you're not alone, but I feel rhubarb. I don't think he said rhubarb, but he might. You're not alone. In Jesus' name, there's a power to change, to transform. And as finally then, when it does get tough, you can talk to Jesus and he'll help you get answers to things in life which you don't quite know how to handle. Jesus is so central to Christian thinking that a guy called Bono was interviewed about... Don't you, you know, YouTube? YouTube. YouTube. YouTube, a tube, um, Bono was born, it was in 1960s, he's in his late 50s now. Um, sort of folk singer, really, rock folk singer with you two. And he's, he's done amazing things. He's a Christian and a philanthropist, which means he's, he's set up things. He's set up, um, he sees the need in the world. Uh, and Jesus meant so much to him that he's, he's taken some of his wealth and set up a thing called Anud. Have you heard of that? Anud is nude backwards. And he chose that deliberately. That's, that's, you're meant to laugh and think, what? Because he was talking about clothes which ordinary people can wear. They don't have to spend lots of money. Spend a little and get some quality clothes. And he, he set up another movement um, for uh, poverty, caring for women who are right in some societies at the bottom of the pile. So he's a great guy. But what was interesting, he's a Christian. And he, he, he wants to explain that it isn't God and all that that makes the difference, it's Jesus. And so just listen to him as he interviews and explains in his own inimitable way. I look to the scriptures for poetic truth, um, as well as the sort of historical stuff I'm, I'm, I'm interested in. And of course there was a histor historical Jesus. No, I'm talking about God. Oh, right. And, and do well, you, I see, I, I, the, per, the person of Christ is my way to understand uh, God. Do you pray? Yes. To whom or what do you pray? To and Christ. Way? To Christ. Yeah. And, and what do you pray for? I pray to get to know um, the will of God, because then the prayers have more chance of coming through. I mean, that's the thing about prayer, isn't it? I mean, we don't do it in a very lofty way in our family. There's just a bunch of us on the bed, usually. We have a very big bed in our house. And all our we've prayed with all our kids. We, we you know, we just... We, we read the scriptures, we pray. It's not even regular. Sometimes if we go to church on a Sunday, we go when the church has ended and we'll just go in on our own as a family. For peace and quiet. For peace and quiet. And we'll pray, usually about people that we know who are struggling with something, um, illness so, or so, so whatever. Then what or who was Jesus as far as you're concerned? I think it's, the, it's a defining question for a Christian is who was Christ. And, and I don't think you're let off easily by saying a great thinker or a great philosopher or, a, you know, because actually he went round saying he was the Messiah. That's why he was crucified. He was crucified because he said he was the son of God. So he either, in my view, was the son of God or he was not. No, no, nuts. Nuts, yes. Forget yes. rock and roll messianic complexes. This is like, I mean, Charlie Manson type delirium. And I find it hard to accept that all the millions and millions of lives, half the earth for 2,000 years, have been touched, have felt their lives touched and inspired by some nutter. I just, I don't believe it. I, so I think... therefore it follows that you believe he was divine. Yes. And therefore it follows that you believe that he rose physically from the dead. Yes, yeah, I mean, uh, I've no problem with miracles. <laughs> I'm living around them. I am one. So, so when you pray then, you pray to Jesus. Yes. The risen Jesus. Yes. And you believe that he made promises which will come true. Yes. I do. Thank you.
Okay, we're almost at the end now, and then there's the quiz. But no, just at the end. Um, what we'll do, uh, this will be the last slide, so just to let, let the desk know. So that's where talking about Jesus makes, help, this makes sense for us in the Christian family. But I'm saying, I want to suggest also that for those outside, we need to speak of Jesus too. And here, just a couple of thoughts. What was the name of the man who founded Wikipedia? Not bad. G Jimmy Swales, wasn't it? How does Wikipedia work? Uh, people make articles and edit them based on what they know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the articles are put up there and anybody can edit them, correct them, improve them. As long as they put their sources down. As long as you give your sources. So the, the idea was that if we all participate in the creating this, this will be an encyclopedia which would be reliable. Because it's not just a few people doing it in a corner. We're all doing it. We can actually revise it. Well, I suggest that that's exactly where we are with people outside. People have lots of ideas about Jesus, but a lot of them are just airy-fairy. Some of them are good. And we who've tasted a little bit of what Jesus is like, we're the ones who can do the revision, the revising. I mean, it doesn't always work. Jimmy Swales was born on the 7th of August... 19, I think it was 66. That's his date of birth. So when he came in Wiki to write his own sort of piece as founder of Wiki, he put it in. And some bright spark said, <laughs> put it in, corrected it. He said, no, you were born on the 8th of August, not the 7th. So he went, ridiculous. I am me. So he changed it back, 7th of August. And a week later, back to the 8th of August, and they put the source. And the source was the Encyclopedia Britannica. So he could, so anyway, he said, I gave up. I cannot now stop this thing. According to my own creation, I'm, I was born on a different day. Uh, so it's not always reliable, Wiki. When, the, when, the, when the, the founder can't run it, you think, oh, yeah. But the real point is that we can all make a contribution to people's understanding of Jesus out there. And that, that's the point of being... Think wiki. The second thing is by speaking about Jesus, we make it personal accessible so people who are interested really can discover more for them. I think the greatest thing that we've got to share is our own story of Jesus. And I know, a really, I know of a really naughty vicar. He used to go into train on, on, the, on the tube in London, go on the train into London to work. And he'd be, you know, either standing there or sitting there, and he'd see somebody, usually a younger person, maybe they had a fish on. Do you know that kind of, some Christians have a fish? So he, and he was in civvies. So he used to say in a loud voice to the whole carriage, what's that fish on you? And they go, a bit like that person, well, it's just a, it's a fish. Why are you wearing a fish? And eventually this person would go, well, because I'm a Christian. What's a Christian? And, they, and, so, and this, was his, this was his ministry. I, I don't know whether you'd like him a lot. <laughs> but it was his way of getting people to talk about their faith in a public space. This is not a suggestion. I'm just saying <laughs> that we need to talk about Jesus more so others can get the hang of it. And finally, um, I think sometimes we can actually pray for people in the name of Jesus. I found the best way of doing it is this, you don't want to embarrass people. If somebody does tell you that it's, life is really rough at the moment, you can say to them, do you know, when things are rough for me, because you always put his testimony, you're not preaching, when things are rough for me, I pray and I ask Jesus to help me. Would you like me to pray for you? I can either pray for you now, and you can see all the... Or I can pray tonight when I do my regular prayers. And then people say, oh, oh, yeah, go on, say one for me. And they do say that. And the next time you see them, you say, I, I did pray for you. And just sometimes they say, no, pray for me now. I need help right now. You see, we offer Jesus in that way, in a way which is not cringeworthy. We give an option so nobody's in a corner. They don't have to say, like, you know. Oh. And in that way, Jesus can bless them and help them. So may I say, I hope that you'll, just, you'll have 
come to the point where you'd like to talk about Jesus a bit more. The Jesus who's your Lord and can be the Lord of those outside. We finish with one last video clip and then um, we'll have a prayer. So, thank you. What do people outside our churches know about Jesus? Have they ever had a conversation with a practicing Christian about Jesus? Answers to questions like these could really help us share the most amazing news. The love of God for all of us through Jesus. So we asked. And here's what people, your friends and neighbours said. 57% said they're a Christian. 9% are active Christians. They regularly go to church, pray and read the Bible. Useful starting place. But what do they actually know about Jesus? 21% think he's God. While 30% think he's a spiritual leader or prophet. But only 60% think he was an actual, real, historical person. Our job here is clear. Let's make sure everyone gets to hear that Jesus actually lived and walked on earth and that he claimed he was God. How are we going to do this? Well, 67% said they know one of us, an active follower of Jesus. And we're most likely to be their family and friends. But have we ever spoken to them about Jesus? 58% of those who know us have had a conversation about Jesus with us. Now that's a great start. But what do they think about Jesus after that conversation? One in five are open to knowing and experiencing more about him. That's one in five of your friends and family members, the people you know really well, who are waiting for you to talk about Jesus with them. And we found out that talking to someone who knows Jesus was really important in helping 36% of us decide to follow Jesus for ourselves. So let's talk Jesus. Thank you. The difference we can make by talking about Jesus, not preaching, I think it's lovely to be able to talk naturally about him. If, if some of you go down the pub, one way you can do it is this. They'll say, you go to church about this or that. Uh, you do, don't you? And you say, yeah, I do. I go to the church down there. And then they say, you know, I think it's a load of rubbish or that. And if you can say something like, do you know, I think Christians are really hopeless at explaining what what Christian faith is really about. Do you know, you, they, I think we're useless. Would you like to tell us how we, if you were us, how would you do it better? And you'd be amazed. They'll have some ideas, some suggestions. If we go saying, we're not very good at this, can you help? Then the conversation begins, and that's where you can tip in. Yes, actually, Jesus does make a difference. Ah, oh, but he doesn't. But I can tell you a story in my life when he did. And away you go. So there are all kinds of possibilities. You've been patient. Thank you very much. <sighs> what I'd like to suggest is we have a moment's pause, and in that pause, I'd just like you to ask the Lord, is there one thing you want to, me to remember from tonight? And then turn that into your prayer to the Lord. Just a pause, and then we'll sing. Thank you, Jesus, for being here. Thank you for being patient with us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for understanding me far better than I do myself. Lord, thank you. We pray, Lord, come in and give us a new freedom to just be honest about you with all our family, our church friends and those at work and at school. Lord, may we be winsome ambassadors so that they may come to see that Jesus is Lord. And we pray this in your name. Amen.